Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. We live in an earn-it culture. In sports, our practice time earns our game time. In high school, our grades, achievements, extracurriculars, sports, band, honor societies, student government, you name it, it earns our college scholarship. When we work, our long hours, extra certifications, productivity level, it earns a promotion. In relationships, our follow-through earns trust. This earn-it culture has its benefits, but when it comes to our spirituality, when we live in this earn-it approach to spirituality, it actually has the reverse effect. Now, this earn-it culture is so prevalent, not just here in America, but globally, that every major world religion, except one, really operates out of this earn-it mentality. By your good works or by your religious tradition, something you do, you attain salvation. Christianity, though, poses a different way. And even though that Christianity poses a new way to salvation, the church, in the church, we all too often will revert to this earn-it mentality because the cultural tug of earn it is strong. It's really strong. And we find ourselves wondering, have I checked all the boxes? Have I done more good than bad? Am I good enough for God? As the movement of God in the first century started to pick up momentum and the early church took shape, the church had to grapple with these questions about salvation, these age-old questions, and eventually the tension climaxed and a group convened, a council convened in Jerusalem to discuss how salvation is in fact realized. And we're going to look at it today because the implications for the verdict of the Jerusalem council has major ramifications for your and my salvation, and the way we live our lives. So, if you got a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 35, and we'll see for ourselves. Now, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along on our app, where if you just click on the message notes tile, you'll find a place that'll bring you right to Acts 15, and a place where you can jot down some notes during the message. We've been tracking with this movement of God in the first century, for several weeks now, because like the early church, we too want to be unleashed and part of something bigger than ourselves. And as we have been tracking with the early church, what we've seen is that the gospel has spread like wildfire. It started in Jerusalem as the Jews came to Jesus, and then it spread to Judea and Samaria as even the Samaritans came to Jesus. We saw an Ethiopian eunuch, which was someone who we th- they thought that was from the end of the world, like the, the furthest southern point, that was the perception. Even he came to Jesus. And then the Gentiles came to Jesus. Now, as all these different people come to Jesus, ideologies clashed. 
and the tension rises, and that's what brings us to our story today, where the Jerusalem Council is going to discuss how salvation is in fact realized. Now, before we jump into the passage and the message, why don't we do this? Let's pray and ask that God would reveal His way for salvation to us now. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to open it now. Would you please speak through me? Would you speak through your word? And would you reveal the way to a relationship with you, the way to salvation? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at this point, we're fast-forwarding just a little bit from the message last week. Because at this point, Paul and Barnabas have been traveling around the Mediterranean. They're actually on their second missionary journey, and they're returning from their first missionary journey, excuse me, and they they arrive back in Antioch in Syria, and when they arrive, there's some others there. There's this group of men from Judea who show up, and they're teaching something different. You see, Paul and Barnabas, they're teaching that the way to a relationship with God is a relationship with Jesus, but here are these men from Judea who show up in Antioch, and they're teaching that one has to be circumcised to be able to have a relationship with God. Has to be circumcised to be saved. Now, they're at an impasse, Paul and Barnabas and these men from Judea. So the church in Antioch just sends Paul and Barnabas and a few others down south to Jerusalem to seek the apostles' counsel on this matter of how salvation is realized. And Luke records the discussion of this Jerusalem council in Acts 15. We're going to pick up in verses 4 through 21. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, apparently, the teaching from those men from Judea, it was also alive and well in Jerusalem because here are some Pharisees advocating the same thing. People have to be circumcised before they can have a relationship with God. Verse 8, excuse me, verse 6. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them, brothers, You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Peter's referring to his experience with Cornelius and the Gentiles that we looked at last week. Now then... Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Peter just drops the mic and Barnabas and Paul take the stand, putting an exclamation point on his point. Now in verse 12, the whole assembly became silent. As they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Okay, real quick side note. We haven't really heard much about James before. James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. Now, James didn't follow Jesus while Jesus walked the earth because 
He wasn't won over yet. But when Jesus predicted his death, predicted his resurrection, and pulled it all off, James is like, yeah, I'm with that guy. So he starts following Jesus, recognizing that Jesus is Lord of his life. Now, being the brother of Jesus, James has got a unique perspective. And listen to his case. Verse 14, Simon, that is Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So we've got Peter, Paul and Barnabas, and now James presenting this case to the Jerusalem council, that salvation is realized through relationship with Jesus, not through circumcision. And the Jerusalem council rubber stamps their approval. Now, we know this because what happens next is the Jerusalem council sends Paul and Barnabas and some others back up to Antioch with a letter describing their verdict. Now, what exactly was the case of Peter, James, or Barnabas and, and all of them. And what was the, the case, what was the verdict that the Jerusalem Council just approved? Well, it's threefold in nature. So why don't we do this? Let's take a little bit of time and we're going to break down each element of the case that was presented in the verdict that the council arrived at. Because it has major implications for our salvation even today. So when it comes to salvation, it starts with this. You can't earn it. The men from Judea, we see this in verse 1, and then the Pharisees in verse 5, they argue that people had to first be circumcised to have a relationship with God. Because circumcision was the sign of God's special relationship with the people in the Old Testament, the Israelites. Now, their thinking was backwards. They presume that circumcision leads to a relationship with God. Or said differently, that following rules leads to a relationship. But Peter shines just a spotlight on the incongruence of their thinking, how they're off base, and he reveals the emptiness of the argument. He says it like this in verse 10, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Peter's like, you're missing the point, guys. You're missing it all together. The law doesn't save. The law reveals our need for a savior. We couldn't meet all the rules and neither can the Gentiles. So why are we asking them to do that? We need to put first things first. And what, is, what are first things first when it comes to salvation? Well, it actually leads us to the second principle that is presented in this case for salvation. This case that the Jerusalem Council affirms. And it's this. Two, Jesus gave it. After breaking down the earn it barrier to salvation, Peter presents God's way to salvation in verse 11, where he says this. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved, just as they are. 
With this simple truth, Peter just takes a wrecking ball to the barrier that had been erected by the Pharisees, by the others, and was keeping people from experiencing a relationship with God. Because salvation God's way, oh, it goes like this. A relationship with Jesus puts us into a relationship with God. And because we're in a relationship with God through Jesus, then we follow God's way. Then we obey his rules. Salvation, you know, for the religious, it's basically rules, then it leads to a relationship. But for God, in his way, his economy, salvation looks like this. A relationship with Jesus leads to a relationship with him. And when we have a relationship with him, then we follow his rules. It goes relationship, then rules. We can't get things backwards, though. But we do sometimes, right? And we find ourselves thinking, like, am I good enough? Did I go to church enough? Did I do enough good works to outweigh my bad works? Did I serve enough, give enough, love enough? And when we find salvation God's way, we realize, I'm not enough. But Jesus is more than enough. And it's the free gift that God extended to us in the person of Jesus, that through him, a relationship with him, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can experience salvation. When religion says do, God says done. It, all the hard work's already been done. Jesus did that on the cross. Now we simply receive and live a life out of the grace that we've received from God. So when it comes to salvation, you can't earn it. Jesus gave it. And three, work it out as God planned it. Our faith as followers of Jesus expresses itself. It manifests itself as faithfulness. James hit on this in verses 20 and 21, where he posed to the Gentiles who, or excuse me, he posed that the Gentiles who, who now follow Jesus, well, they should also follow God's rules for righteous living. Like, because they have this relationship with God, they should live a certain way. Living in the world, but not conformed by the world. They don't look like the world, but they're still living out what it looks like to follow Jesus in the world they live. So, whereas eating food, sacrifice to idols, sexual morality, these things were normative in the cultures that both Jews and Gentiles found themselves living in, Jesus' followers wouldn't live that way. They, they would live a new way, a different way, because they have this new relationship with God through Jesus. They live a different way, as recorded in Scripture. James actually further fleshed out this idea of faith manifesting itself as faithfulness in a letter that he wrote to a bunch of churches scattered across the region. We know the letter as the book of James or the letter of James in our New Testament. Now, these days, food sacrificed to idols, probably not a big temptation for you. But sexual immorality, it's as rampant today as it's ever been. So as followers of Jesus, because we have a relationship with God, how do we live? What does that look like in a world that, that glorifies sex? Well, we're going to wait till our wedding night. When others say, oh, you know, go look at this or, or view that, we have eyes only for our spouse. When the world says, oh, like if, if you're not happy anymore in the relationship, just bail. Like, just, just have a divorce, whatever. Just get out. 
we're going to remain faithful to our spouse through the highs and through the lows. Because our faithfulness will reveal God's faithfulness to those around us. As followers of Jesus, we follow God's commands not to earn our salvation. We follow his commands to express our salvation. Because we have a relationship with God, we choose to follow his rules. We know that his way is best. He's the author of life. And being the author of life, he knows how life is lived best. So we choose, we willfully choose to go his way instead of the world's way. Paul kind of picked up on all of this stuff, and he later wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. And in that letter, he said this, kind of summing up in many ways what the Jerusalem council arrived at. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved from a life of sin that that leads to death, and we're saved for a life of purpose and meaning in Jesus. When we connect with Jesus, we actually get to then connect others with Jesus in a relationship with God too. Now, the Jerusalem Council fleshed it out in great detail. Paul kind of summarized it a little bit in this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians. I'm going to say it this way today. Salvation, you can't earn it because Jesus gave it, so work it out as God planned it. The, this is the verdict of the Jerusalem Council, and it's the freedom that we have in Christ. We can't earn our salvation, but we should express our salvation. Salvation, you can't earn it because Jesus gave it, so work it out as God planned it. This is God's story, and it becomes our story too when we accept Jesus, the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy that he extends to us on the cross. Now, the Jerusalem Council also reveals a key value that we should keep in mind as we follow Jesus. And the value is this, don't make hard what God made easy. Don't make hard what God made easy. As Peter said in verse 11, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we're saved. Receiving salvation is easy. We simply receive Jesus. He already did the hard work. So don't create hard work for others to do because he didn't create hard work for us to do. When we invite others to experience salvation, a relationship with God, may we not erect barriers unnecessarily. The the men from Judea, the Pharisees, you know what barriers they erected? They said, you got to be circumcised in order to have this relationship with God. Because that's the way we, we understood things in the past. But what we're now seeing is that Jesus kind of changed the game, at least changed the understanding of what is the way to salvation. So let me ask you this, what's keeping you or keeping others from experiencing a relationship with God? What are the barriers that you've erected? Is it thinking that you got to follow a certain religious tradition? You got to have your, your theology just fully fleshed out as if any of us have a complete understanding of God? Is it cleaning up your life or, or someone having to clean up their life at least this much and then Jesus' grace and forgiveness will, will take over from there? 
Is it expecting people to believe and behave like they follow Jesus before they decide to believe and behave as they follow Jesus? Like, what are the barriers that you've erected? Because we got to break them down. The simple gospel is this. Our sin separated us from God. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And then he rose again three days later and he's offering us life. Now, whoever follows Jesus finds life. Once we or others decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts to work in us, transforming our beliefs, transforming our behaviors so we're more like Jesus. So we start to follow God's ways, follow his rules. But when we think of inviting others to experience a relationship with God, let's not make hard what God made easy. In so many ways, we're, we're actually comfortable with the, the earn it way to salvation. We're, we're familiar with that way. But if we try to earn our way to God, we're going to miss a relationship with God. We're going to totally miss out on it because we can't earn our way to God. Scripture says that the wages of our sin is death. If we could undead ourselves, we'd be fine, but we can't undead ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. He rose from the grave. He's offering us life. In fact, Jesus tells us this in just days before he goes, or the day before he goes to the cross. This is John 14, 6. He says, I am the way in the truth in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the way to God it's not a process. It's a person. It's not rules. It's a relationship. Jesus is the way to the Father. So we can stop trying harder. Instead, we can look to Jesus. And, and when we do, you know what we find? We find the way. The way to life with God. The way life should be. We find the truth. The truth about God. The truth about salvation. We find the life, the life that we were created to live from the very beginning. The life God has designed us to experience with him and inviting others to experience the same. This is what we get to experience when we look to Jesus instead of our works for salvation. Now, when Paul and Barnabas, when they arrive back in Antioch with the others and they share the letter with the church there, you know how they responded? Check this out. This is in verse 31. It says, The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. And I think, no kidding. Every guy was like, I'm so glad I don't have to get circumcised. As a guy who is driven to perform, driven to achieve, I've got to tell you, there is a lot of freedom, a lot of relief, peace, joy, in looking to Jesus' work instead of my work for salvation. The gospel is simple. The gospel is good. And we shouldn't make it confusing or hard for others to receive. Salvation. You can't earn it because Jesus gave it. So work it out as God planned it. What's God saying to you right now? What's he been saying to you through this message, through his word? Is today the day where you decide to follow Jesus? It could, today could be the day where that happens. 
Maybe you erected a barrier and, and you thought, you, you, I'll just, I, I, can't, I can't have a relationship with God because I can't do that. I can't, whatever it is, whatever that was, whatever the barrier was, you just thought, I, I can't get past that. Well, good news. Jesus busts down barriers and he's extending a hand to you and he would love to have a relationship with you and then you get to have a relationship with God the Father as well. If that's of interest to you, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about following Jesus. And you can let us know on your Connect card by checking either the, you know, I want to follow Jesus box, the decide to follow Jesus box, or the, you know, I want to get baptized box. Because what we see in the early church is that when someone decides to follow Jesus, they demonstrate that by getting baptized. Not to earn anything, right? Jesus already did that. But to express the relationship that they now have with Jesus. And this coming Sunday, Chrissy's going to be getting baptized at the Lone Tree Rec Center during the service. And if you've been thinking about getting baptized, why don't you join her? Why don't you get baptized this coming Sunday too as a declaration of your faith in Jesus? That's of interest. Let us know on your Connect card. Now, many of us, we've been following Jesus for some time. But I want to challenge us to take a moment and pause and ask ourselves, what's the barrier that I've erected for others so that it making, it's making it hard for them to come to Jesus, making them hard to have a relationship with God. What's the barrier that you've erected? And now I want you to do is on your connect card in the My Next Step box, write that barrier in that box right there. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because I want to pray with you, our staff wants to pray with you, that God would bust down that barrier so that more people can come to a relationship with Him through you, through you sharing your story, through you showing God's love to them and not making hard what God made easy. All right, take a moment, reflect, and then we're going to take communion here in a moment. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that through Jesus and Jesus alone, we are saved and we get to have a relationship with you. We remember you now. We celebrate you now, Jesus, as we take communion. In your name, amen. Jesus gave us a very tangible way to remember him. And he did that right before he went to the cross. We now call it communion. Some call it the Lord's Supper. But the idea is that we're going to pause and we're going to remember his sacrifice on our behalf. So if you've got some bread, you got some juice, I invite you to grab it. Because let's take the bread together right now to remember Jesus' body given for us. Let's take the bread. In the cup, it represents his blood that was shed on our behalf. So let's take the cup to remember Jesus. So at this point in the service, we now get to give back to God as a response, as a, as a form of worship. God has given so much to us, freely giving his son. And that's why he calls us to be a people who give sacrificially. It's one of the values we have here at Connect. And because God's given us a vision that's so much bigger than us, bigger than our church, I mean, we dream of a front range where everyone is connected with God, the church, in their purpose. And that's the big C church. If they can connect with Connect Church, awesome. We'd love to get to know them. But if it's another church in another part of the state, we would love to help them get connected there too. And to that end, 
to helping people discover a relationship with God. We're actually giving today some of the, the money that's been given over the last several months to help start another church here in the Front Range. The local church is led by Justin and Lacey McKay, and even a few months ago, we got to hear Justin preach on a Sunday. Well, we're going to give a special gift to them and their church to advance God's mission through them. They have a very similar mission to what Connect Church's mission is, and we would love to see the people in Arvada be able to connect with God, the church, and their purpose too. And that's what the local church is all about. So we're going to give a special gift today. And I just want to say, we only can do that because you are generous on a regular basis. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for letting us as a church be generous and helping start other churches in our region so that more people can know Jesus. If you want to give today and just be a part of what God's doing through Connect Church, you can do that in a couple of ways. You can do it online and you can do it through the app. And with that, I'd just like to pray for the offering that's given today. And I'd also like to pray for the local church that as we give to support God's ministry through them, that God would multiply it in an amazing way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for each and every person who gives on a regular basis. And thank you for, for always providing for our needs as a church. And thank you for calling us to, to live selflessly, to live sacrificially, as we give as a church to help support the ministry of the local church in Arvada. Would you use each dollar that's given to advance your mission through that church? Would we see people come to know Jesus through the ministry of the local church? Would you empower Justin and Lacey and their whole team to boldly share Jesus with others, like we're seeing the early church do in the first century. And Lord, as we give, would you continue to shape and form our hearts so that they're more like yours? Would you transform us, our, our beliefs, our desires, our behaviors, so that every day we become more and more like Jesus, who was as generous as they come? We thank you for what you've entrusted to us, and we entrust it back to you to advance your ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. If you found the message helpful, share the YouTube link or the podcast with a friend or a family member who might benefit from it, and then talk with them about it. Have a conversation and make faith something you do together, not something you try to do alone. Next Sunday, I mentioned it at the beginning, but it's Sunday Fun Day, and we would love for you to join us. In fact, Sunday Fun Day is a great opportunity to invite someone to come. Now, you can, of course, invite them to just to come to the, the food truck and activities portion, but the message next Sunday is all about knowing God and making Him known. So it's a great Sunday to invite a friend who's a little curious about faith, but is just waiting for an opportunity to take a first step. So invite someone, and we'll see you next Sunday at the Lone Tree Rec Center at 10 a.m., for the service, and then after that for some fun and time with each other at the park. Now, between now and then, if you would like someone to pray with you, let us know. Reach out to us. We are here for you. We're supporting you, and we're praying for you. On the Connect card, you can let us know how we can pray for you specifically. But even if you're not willing to fill out a Connect card at this point, we understand. We get it. We're going to still pray for you. And one something I want to encourage you with as we close. We say it every week, but it's because it's true. And I want to encourage you to live this out this week, all right? 
And the, the truth is this, whoever follows Jesus finds life.